1: This is Optimal Finance Daily, Episode 5, Rent Versus Buy. If you have to ask, you should probably rent by Mr. Money Mustache of MrMoneyMustache.com. Get ready to maximize your potential with Optimal Finance Daily, the podcast that brings you the best content in personal finance five days a week. Your optimal life awaits. Now here's your host, Dan Warren. Hey everybody, welcome back to Optimal Finance Daily. This is where I read to you from some of the best personal finance blogs on the planet. And today we have another post from Mr. Money Mustache of MrMoneyMustache.com. Now, Mr. Money Mustache writes about personal finance, but specifically about living frugally, cutting your expenses and uh, working a lot less than most of us do. And in his case, he retired early, like really early at the age of 30. So it's a pretty fascinating website to check out, mrmoneymustache.com. If you have any topic requests, any authors you'd like to hear from, come visit oldpodcast.com and let us know what you'd like to hear on Optimal Finance Daily. And before we get into it, I should mention that this episode is ad-free, which means it doesn't make any money. It actually loses money every month. So if you'd like to show your support, the easiest and uh, freest thing you can do is to join the Optimal Finance Daily family by being part of the weekly newsletter. You get a bunch of free stuff on top of it, so it's uh, all good things for you. So to join, text the word FINANCIAL to 44222. That's 44222. Just text the word FINANCIAL or visit oldpodcast.com. And that's it. So let's get this thing going and start optimizing your life. Rent. Versus buy. If you have to ask, you should probably rent. By Mr. Money Mustache of MrMoneyMustache.com Four years into writing this blog, I thought I had seen almost everything when it comes to the most common financial suicides committed by the middle class. But today, I was hit in the head by a shocking realization. When choosing between buying versus renting a house or apartment, people are making much, much worse choices than I would have thought possible. The implications are so striking that logically some of the world's busiest stretches of road should not even exist. We could save millions of lives and trillions of dollars by just helping certain people operate a basic hand calculator at a beginner level. It sounds improbable until you review the following stories from this Canadian vacation I am currently wrapping up. Case Study 1, North America's 4th Largest Miscalculation The city of Toronto is famous as one of the world's most happening and expensive places to live. With over 6 million people in the highly car-oriented metro area, it sprawls on forever, and people commute in from an insane zoo of connected cities comprising 31,000 square kilometers or roughly a quarter of the entire land area of England. There's only one real highway across this thing, the 401, which has the dubious distinction as busiest and most traffic-jammed highway in the world. Rush hour extends roughly from 3.30 a.m. to 11 p.m., so I don't even attempt a crossing except in the four-hour window outside of that range. So what has created this incentive to commute? There are great jobs in Toronto, some of the highest paying in the country. Unemployment is low. The city is clean and quite beautiful along the lakeshore and the many ravines and rivers. But unfortunately, as the saying goes, nobody could ever afford a house there. Average price for a detached residence is up to $1.05 million, $1.05 million and even a car commuter special runs you 730K. If you don't have that kind of money, you just follow standard realtor advice and drive till you qualify. Mr. Money Mustache moves to Toronto. For years, I have accepted these prices as a given and told people to either get creative with roommates unless you have secured at least a $400,000 salary or get the hell out of the whole area as I did, until I conducted a little experiment in mustachianism, asking myself, what would I do if I had to move to Toronto myself? Let's assume a worst case scenario because if you can prove that, it also covers every other situation. Somebody offers me a job in the most expensive and hardest to reach region right downtown. It's an amazing job that I can't resist and it pays well. And wanting to maintain my current luxurious lifestyle, I insist on only the best living in a huge apartment in a brand new, modern building near the shore with beautiful views within walking distance of work, the stadium, the train station, and everything else downtown has to offer. No buses or subways for me, and let's assume I'm not even willing to ride my bike because, hey, it can occasionally get snowy in Toronto and nobody can possibly ride a bike in winter. So I pull open the useful apartment hunting site called padmapper.com and set my criteria to unlimited price insisting on two bedrooms and two baths so I can comfortably bring my family along for the ride. I select one of the nicest looking listings at random because it overlooks a park with floor-to-ceiling windows, has a sweet balcony, granite and stainless kitchen, and heck, there's even a gym and a rooftop patio on this 40-story building. This place looks appropriately fancy, a high-end pad in an expensive city's most desirable district. I brace myself for an astronomical price because, after all, let's look at the math people are commuting 40 minutes from $700,000 houses in the closer suburbs. A $700,000 house costs a minimum of $4,000 a month to operate in this area, counting only mortgage interest at today's amazingly cheap but temporary 2.5%, a 7% opportunity cost of capital in the down payment, plus property taxes, insurance, heating and cooling, and maintenance at 1% annually. Let's assume you've been wise enough to avoid areas with an HOA. 80 daily minutes in a car translates to roughly 900 miles or $450 and 22 and a half hours of your time. Say $900 a month for a grand minimum total of $5350. All that just to live near nothing but strip malls and TV watching suburban commuters. So I'm assuming an apartment like this would list for upwards of 10 grand a month. I look at the price. 2300 per month. Oh, and that includes free heat and an underground parking space. Parking for mere mortal visitors in this area costs about $30 a day. Is this a joke? Are apartments really that cheap? Looking through a few dozen other listings in the prime areas, I realized that yes, they are. And if you're willing to be really bad ass and step onto a subway for your morning commute and move down to a less luxurious apartment building, you can find Central Toronto 2-2 apartments for $1,200. Share one of those with a roommate and you can work a minimum wage job $11 $11 an hour in this city, pay for rent and food, and still save almost 50% of your income, retiring from your job working at Starbucks by age 37. I repeated the same experiment in Canada's capital city of Ottawa. Brand new 900 square foot luxury apartment with nine foot ceilings and two walls of glass overlooking the city's hottest byword market district, 1,950 per month. And this is in a city where people defy death by driving an hour through a blizzard before paying for parking and heading into the office. It's also a city where some people spend $900 a month on their winter heating bills alone. This apartment also includes free heat. The implication of this is that an amazing majority of the traffic jams, car dealerships, and SUV pile-ups, and hairy lifestyles and stress-related diseases and obesity that come with a car commuting lifestyle are completely stupid, optional, irrelevant byproducts of our choices. Almost every expensive suburb should not even exist. Every major urban highway should be shut down and converted to gardens and bike paths with a few solar awnings thrown in, just enough to power the entire city. So I ran these numbers by a fellow Canadian expecting full astonished agreement. Instead, I got the start of a bizarre set of justifications. But people want a backyard for their kids or their dogs. Are you joking? When you live in a high-end district, ignoring the fact that luxury apartment buildings typically have amazing landscaped common areas, you have literally a multi-billion dollar backyard. The Toronto Lakeshore is an endless expanse of beaches, bike paths, fountains, gardens, play structures, volleyball courts, patio restaurants, and of course, one of the largest expanses of sparkling blue freshwater in the world. In Ottawa, you have a stunning riverfront, forests, and parks, and bike paths that lead everywhere and rapid transit that would eliminate any need to ever own a car. Would you really waste an extra $3,000 per month just so your kids could play on your personal fenced-in postage stamp overlooked by vinyl-clad suburban houses in every direction while you are stuck out in traffic? No. But what about the dogs? $3,000 per month plus the $400 it costs to feed and treat and house and transport and occasionally kennel the dog compounds to roughly $588,200 every decade if you invest the money instead. That's every decade, and they live longer than that. Are you really rich enough to spend a million dollars and clean up warm, squishing chunks of excrement daily with only your bare hand and a plastic bag just so you can have this extra bit of companionship during your sparse time outside of work? No, and we haven't even mentioned one of the biggest joys of renting, unlimited mobility. On a whim, you can jump to a new place anywhere in the world. Never be subject to the pain of fighting with buyers in a hot real estate market or begging for sellers in an icy cold one. The lesson? If you live in an area where houses cost more than $300,000, take a close look at the rent prices around the areas you currently drive. Budget your driving costs as at least a dollar per mile, 80 cents per kilometer in Canada to account for higher costs, because you absolutely must put a high value on your spare time to get ahead in life. Doing the math on life decisions like this was by far the biggest factor in my own early financial independence. Buying a house is a great thing to do when you're settling down in a beautiful, affordable spot right near everything you need to do for the next 10 years, and if your schedule and temperament allow some time for a good several hours a week of maintenance work. But for the rest of us, it's worth having another look at Rent Versus Buy. Okay, you just listened to the post titled Rent Versus Buy. If you have to ask, you should probably rent by Mr. Money Mustache of MrMoneyMustache.com.
0: For a lot of people, it can be stressful and confusing to manage their finances. Even I used to feel this way when using different finance apps. But then I tried Monarch Money and everything got so much easier. Maybe you're saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation, your kid's college. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage, simple, affordable, reliable.
1: Any comments about this post? Any comments about Mr. Money Mustache? Or maybe you have a personal experience regarding this topic of renting versus buying. Anything at all that stood out to you, let us know. Come visit oldpodcast.com and share your thoughts with us. And like I mentioned before, if you're interested in showing your support for this podcast, the easiest thing you can do is to come by oldpodcast.com, OLDpodcast.com, and join the free weekly newsletter. There are lots of benefits in it for you. Too many to name, really, so you'll have to trust me on it. And for a faster way to join, you can text the word FINANCIAL, that's FINANCIAL, to 44222. Simple as that. And that's the first five episodes of Optimal Finance Daily. Hope everybody has a great weekend. If you're listening to this on the day that it was actually released, and I'll see you on Monday where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this podcast, but also Optimal Living Daily, the show where I read to you from even more blogs covering finance, productivity, minimalism, personal development, and more,